Hello. Hello again. Welcome. Whatever it may be, podcast brings you the last meal. We're on episode three of this limited series where we talk about quite some interesting stuff in the last meal of some of society's most notable serial killers. But before we get into that, how are you? How have you been? What's been going on over there in, in your land, you know? Um, I went to, uh, I, f- fuck. I went to a festival this past weekend called Lovers and Friends. That was, uh, it was crazy. I got to see some of my favorite artists perform. And it was kind of like this crazy, uh, festival of like 2000s rap and R&B. Yeah, Usher, Lil Jon, Ludacris, Lil Kim, uh, Cassie, TLC, Sierra, Juvenile, uh, Mace, Warren G, T-Pain, just to name a few. Uh, it was probably the hottest event I've ever been to in my life, temperature-wise. It was pretty hot. Uh, clout-wise, it was pretty hot. Temperature-wise, the hottest thing ever. And we were there from... Uh, 10 a.m. to 1.30 a.m. So, way too much heat. Uh, also, $6 waters, fuck you. Fuck you for doing that. $6 waters, eat your own fucking fist. How can anybody throw a festival in Las Vegas, Nevada and charge $6 for water? Fuck you sideways. Fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. There's not a simple bone of humanity in your body. How? Oh, well, we're giving out free hose water. Yeah, that ran out. That's lukewarm. Fuck you. Uh, Aside from that, there was a stampede. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a, a country music festival years ago and some psychotic fuck nugget uh, busted out the window at the Mandalay Bay and, and with assault rifles and various weapons shot up a country music festival that was in the middle of a parking lot, much like this one. Well, flash forward a couple years. Let's say you went to that festival, you were already traumatized. I didn't, but I'm sure that this might be the case for someone that was there. You're already traumatized. Years later, you decide, I'm going to go out again. I'm going to fucking give it another whirl. Lovers and friends is in town. I'm going to go hit it up. You get there and everything's fine and kosher till about, I don't know, 6.30 p.m. I think is when it happened. Some douche nozzle, some absolute shit bath decides, hey, let's pretend that people are shooting. And a stampede, a stampede ensues. All that trauma comes back up and you're like, what the fuck did I get myself into? It, the stampede happened. I'm in the in the way of it. I'm thinking the first my first thought was there's a car coming. Somebody's driving a car through the crowd. This is ridiculous. The way that people move, were moving, that's what it looked like. Second thought initially was this might be a shooting. I didn't hear any gunshots, but it might be a shooting. Third, well, I just thought maybe people were assholes and wanted to get to the front of the stage. But I turn around, I get trampled by this 400-pound man. He steps completely on my ankle. I'm fucked. I go to the medic tent. They wrap it. 
investigation comes uh, and checks everything out to find out that it's fraudulent, the the show goes on. Usher, Little John, and Ludacris come out, do their thing. I got my ankle wrapped. I'm staying on board because I want to see Lauren Hill. And I do see Lauren Hill, and it's quite fantastic. What an experience. TLC is probably still one of my favorites, though. Um, but, yeah, so that happened to me, and that sucked. That was fucking awful. But the festival was cool. Aside from the, the heat, the $6 water, and the, the stampede, great festival. Great performances. Cassie's uh, just as hot as she's always been. Yum. And we love her for that. She's dating some kind of, or no, she's married. She's got kids with like this designer cowboy now. From the, based on the pictures I've seen, I don't know. That's kind of what I want to be when I get uh, in my late forties. Just to, just go into the designer cowboy realm, like cowboy shit, but like really nice cowboy shit. You know what I mean? That's really what I want to, what I want to fall into. Uh, I hope everybody did their taxes, because <laughs> if not, you're late. And don't ask me how I know. Guess who we're doing this week. On the Last Meal podcast, we are doing um, a very rare serial killer. And by that, I mean she's a woman. Or she was a woman. Eileen Warland. Timberland was there, too. Eileen Warnos. Um, you know, this one's always always kind of been very interesting to me. First off, let's start with her last meal. Very easy for me to do. I don't even have to do it on a cheat day. It's just a cup of black coffee. That's it. And I'm sipping it now, and I got to tell you, that's a bitter bean juice. But it's an easy one to do. Now, Eileen Warnos, very interesting serial killer. Quote, unquote, uh, the hitchhiking hooker is what they called her. Her reign was at a time when sex work and prostitution was, was heavily frowned upon. So aside from killing people, she was already kind of, uh, you know, looked down upon by, by her peers and the authorities, so to speak. So nobody's going to be on her side, which is sad, uh, you know, because she'd be kind of champion today, you know, and empowered. Which is good. It's a, it's a, it shows a lot of progression. But at that time, no, 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 no. You're a prostitute. You're a witch. You need to be burned at the stake. And they don't care. They don't fucking care. Uh, you know, it's also at a time where men got away with a lot more because, well, let's face it. <laughs> Being a woman wasn't easy. Still isn't. But at that time, mm, very silenced. A very silenced uh, majority. And, uh, you know, nobody wanted to believe her. Nobody cared. And if, if she, she probably went through dozens and dozens of times where somebody either, you know, assaulted her, raped her, did something while she was on, on the job. And nobody cared if she, if she said anything about it. And, you know, in my opinion, I have to, I have to preface it with that. Being a prostitute in Florida, seeing hundreds of clients probably, that probably happening happening a number of times, and you only kill eight of them. I I don't know. 
I don't think killing is justified in any in any corner, really. You know, eye for an eye, maybe. I don't know. Justice system. I'll let them work that out. Eileen early on maintained that uh, all of her murders were in self-defense, claiming that if she didn't kill these men, they would have been beating her or raping her. And honestly, is it that hard to believe? Doesn't mean I necessarily agree with how they were murdered, but it's also not far-fetched to believe that as a Florida prostitute, you'd see dozens upon hundreds of men and only kill like eight of them. Is it hard to think eight Florida men could of dozens i mean eight, eight florida men out of dozens could potentially push a woman to defend herself in fear i'm not the judge or the jury but this seems like there's more to the story to me uh towards the end of her life she claimed that she killed the men in cold blood now after watching what i've watched and experiencing what i've experienced in these documentaries and and you know the the articles and the readings I, I feel like that was brought on by, uh, you know, this relationship she had with this born-again Christian woman who told her she had to say these things, but also just because she was tired of the system failing her. She had screamed self-defense so many times, and she had, you know, given details about how these men had tried to anally rape her and things like that, and nobody was buying it. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted to give her an appeal. So she was probably like, fuck it, I just want to die. Yes, I killed him in cold blood, just fucking murder me. Her original testimonies were very graphic and detailed about how they assaulted her. You know, just just things that uh, you'd have to be somewhat of a skilled writer to make up. Her first murder was a guy named Richard who had a long history of sexual assault and also had spent time in an institution for sex offenders. Seems like the type of guy that would push Eileen to the state of uncomfortableness. And probably result in her murdering this man. Again, not that that's justified. I'm just saying. Of course, who, who am I to say? I've never been a woman. I've never experienced with, with what women go through. This isn't me trying to be some kind of fake feminist idiot. I don't believe in all that bullshit and pandering and all that garbage. I'm just saying. You know, the things that are obvious are obvious. Okay. They're obvious. I will never know what it's like to, to fear for rape and fear for my life in a situation of, you know, vulnerability. I don't ever think or worry about those kind of things. When I order an Uber, the last thought in my mind is that they're going to sexually assault me or rape me when it's at nighttime. And, you know, not that that happens frequently. But as a woman, you're probably, you know, it's probably always in the back of your head. And that's not something that I have to live with. I don't ever have to live with that. If a guy is approaching me in a dark alley at night, do I think he's going to rape me? No. I don't think about that kind of stuff because it doesn't happen to people like me. So again, this isn't some kind of fake feminist, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. This is just obvious shit. This is just real obvious shit. Uh, but back to Eileen. She had multiple death sentences. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's, that's just crazy to me that, that she had such a hard time. It's not crazy to me. It's different times. Even Ted Nerd Boy Bunny, Buddy, Bun, Bundy, Bum, 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 Timbaland Beat. Even Ted Nerd Boy Bundy was offered life in prison after the vile, disgusting shit that he did. 
They're like, look, we're not going to kill you. You just got to live in prison for the rest of your life. Maybe there might be a chance you'll get out with good behavior. I don't know if that was the clause, but I mean, come on. Multiple death sentences. We're killing eight guys who supposedly, allegedly, fucking assaulted you and tried to rape you. Eileen at times was very articulate, you know. She spoke with intelligence a lot. She knew what she was talking about. After time in prison with your thoughts and nothing else, I would imagine anyone would go a little cuckoo for fucking Cocoa Puffs. As she did. She did. The case against her was basically that there's no way someone would need to use fatal self-defense that many times. To which I'd say, if I was a hooker in Florida, eight would feel like a very low number to me. That's just how I feel. Her first lawyer, Dr. Legal, also known as just Steve, pretty much didn't do anything for Eileen. He failed to investigate the police. He pled guilty on all charges and didn't even attempt to get a lesser sentence for her. And this guy was some kind of like pothead, had no experience in this kind of law. Uh, he dropped the ball a lot. Eileen didn't pay him, so you know he charged the media for interviews. Uh, he would basically take interviews and, and shit like that and charge thousands of dollars. And that's how he made his money. He was kind of a goof, but she couldn't expect much from hiring a dude who goes by Dr. Legal, which just sounds like a failed X-Men hero. <laughs> I am Dr. Legal, and you will abide by my laws. <laughs> like Gambit's uh, rival, Dr. Legal. <laughs> Dr. Legal could fucking definitely be an X-Men character. I don't care what anybody says. But he was just some fucking hippie. He didn't fucking care about Eileen. He didn't care about any of the shit she went through. He didn't care about trying to defend her at all. Which again, we're talking about a serial killer. I get it. I'm not trying to oversympathize. I'm just saying it's a little different. And I think in today's world, it would have been handled a lot differently. Um, today's world's wacky cuckoo goof goof. <laughs> There's a lot of shit that I don't agree with, with, you know, oversensitive, super sensitive fuck, fucking, you know, rejects that are, you know, just like, hey, please pay attention to me. But I think progressively we have gotten, we've made a lot of strides and things that I do agree with. Uh, Eileen actually thought she was going to get uh, off on all charges and live with another woman. A Christian lady, also named Eileen, who would run a horse farm with her. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Isn't that wishful thinking? Towards the end, she just wanted to get off death row and be executed. She took back all the things she ever said about self-defense and came clean, in quotes, with God. Now, that, I think, is the part of her life where she was just like, I can't fight the system anymore, and I want to die. Uh, you know, the Charlize Theron played Eileen Warnos in, in the biopic Monster. That's another thing. Monster. What a name to give a serial killer. <clears throat> all these other, you know, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, all their movies were like the John Wayne Gacy movie. The Jeffrey, or just Dahmer. Eileen Warnos, a woman who, you know, killed a bunch of guys who tried to fucking, you know, anally rape her and do all this other shit. And, you know, even if it's alleged, even if, you know, we have no proof. She's a monster? You know, like, killer? Murderer? 
but monster like it just she just got she I, I think the fact that she was a prostitute the fact that she was very loose with you know her lifestyle and you know did a lot of things she was a thief she stole a lot you know she had a bad childhood as they all do don't they but I think she just, you know, the second she would have killed anything or anyone, they would have been like, monster, burn this witch at the stake for not sleeping with me. You know, like those times. Um, although when she believed she wasn't being recorded, she did aggressively admit that everything she said wasn't, was, was true in the, in the regard of self-defense. She couldn't say that because she felt like the system would continue to fail her, you know? So so it was a documentarian that got her kind of off the record to say things like, look, I can't tell you that. I, I It was self-defense, but I can't tell you that. I just want to die, basically. Her family and childhood were very dysfunctional as well. Her mother abandoned her at six months. Her father was arrested for kidnapping and sodomizing an eight-year-old boy. He committed suicide in prison. Her grandfather was actually rumored to be her actual father. And he abused both Eileen and her mother. Her brother used to have sex with her. By age 13, she was pregnant and had a son who was quickly put up for adoption. Well, I mean, you're 13 and you're pregnant in, at that time especially. You know, the odds aren't in your corner. After that, she had a reputation so bad around town that she slept in the woods and stayed there on and off for two years. She couldn't even live in her own home. Sometimes selling her body to get hotel rooms to wash up and sleep in a warm place. At one point in her life, she actually married a 76-year-old man, the president of a coal company. But that only lasted a month because Eileen beat him with his own cane and filed for a restraining order. Oh, he filed for a restraining order against her. You know, you see pictures from this marriage, and you think, wow, this is like, they've kind of got it together here. Like, this is like, uh, this could be a thing, you know? Um, after that, she met her girlfriend, Tyra. They lived in RVs and Airstreams together for a while, doing all kinds of cool redneck shit, like drinking beer and firing their pistols at random shit in the woods. Eventually, as the police started to catch up with Eileen's crimes, Tyra ran away from her, and Eileen ended up with another man. Tyra was working with the police to put together a story for Hollywood movie makers. Now, this is another thing that she had claimed after the fact. So it actually came out. Like, police officers got in trouble. They were conspiring, you know, after she was convicted, all this other stuff, to sell her life rights and story to uh, Hollywood movie makers. So they got in trouble for that because you, you're not allowed to do that, I don't think, until, I don't know, somewhere, you're at some point in court. But afterwards, Eileen would, con, con, not, she would, uh, what? God dang it, why do I lose words? Eileen would allude to the fact that, or the idea, rather, that the police knew that, that she was killing after her first mur murder. They just let her continue to do so off the radar so that they'd have a better story for Hollywood, which is crazy. She even said in her last interview, she prepared for her death. 
She chose to have her last interview with a documentarian that would share her message, which was that she knows the police knew who she was after her first murder, but they continued to let her kill so they could build up a story for Hollywood. And she even said that the cops had her on surveillance while she killed, and she knew about it. She also believes that the guards of her prison were using sonic pressure from electronics in her cell to mess with her mind and control her. Now this is where you have a little too much time to yourself and you start going whack-a-doodle-pie. I get it. Never been in that situation, but again, my life is far different than Eileen's. She speaks uh, of retaliatory things to those who wronged her and said that you know the world would be hit by a rock in 2019. That would wipe all of them away. All the people that fucked her over would be hit by a rock in 2019. Now, was that rock COVID? Was my girl Eileen predicting COVID? Maybe she was. Maybe she was. That's wildly inappropriate. Well, it's true. COVID did happen 2019. Look it up. Also, this was just hours after she passed her psychiatric test with flying colors. What do you got to do to fail the psychiatric psychiatric test? So Jeb Bush, mayor, governor, whatever of the state at this time, got a lot of heat uh, for, you know, I guess, accelerating her death sentence, whatever, making it happen. Because she was deemed unfit and very mentally unfit to receive the death penalty. So, of course, he, you know, carries out this psychiatric evaluation. And, you know, saying shit that that is obviously crazy, sonic pressure from electronics, mind control, uh, a big rock hitting the earth in 2019. Uh, you passed, she passed with flying colors. She was put to death by lethal injection. She went peacefully, but before she requested to be cremated and for the song Carnival by Natalie Mergen to be played at her wake. Wow, Natalie Merchant, man. What a, what a great song, too. Um, you know, it's all very, it's all very, very wild. It's all very wild. There's a lot of questionable shit that went down. It was just a wacky time. Uh, you know, I, and I, she, in her, def, not, not in her defense, I'm not going in her defense, but she, you know, went against these, these courts and these, these, these bad lawyers and, you know, just these bad stigmas and just awful shit. You know, I, who knows the truth? I'm just saying there's a lot of questionable shit that went down. Yes, she killed men. Maybe sometimes they were innocent men. Do we know that for sure? I, and, you know, even though the victims' families, one of the victims' families, what a wacky thing. She went on, like, a, a TV show, and they asked the daughter of one of the victims. They were like, well, you know, what do you think about all this or something? She's like, well, all I know is that I know for a fact that he didn't try to rape her because they cut his body open from his dick to his head, and they didn't find no semen. What the fuck does that even mean? Where are you going to find semen in that region that, that that's going to jump out and spell on the, the operating table? He raped her. 
You can go back and look. They cut him up from fucking toe to head. Head to toe. They didn't find semen nowhere. What the fuck? Yeah, because you cut somebody up like that and you're going to find blood. That's it. Couple of organs. Maybe a fingernail or two. Well, they didn't find any semen. Well, what? What is he supposed to do? Come internally? <laughs> that means he raped her? I don't know, man. One man's daughter's argument, that, that man's daughter's argument was just so crazy. They didn't have any semen. They cut him up and they cut his ass open. There was no semen. I'll never forget that. I watched that. That was part of the documentary I watched years ago, and I still won't forget that. Well, uh, oh, what else did I not? Oh, there was an old lady that was was interviewed. I don't think she was any any of the victim's family, and she said something that I thought was kind of hilarious. Like, well, you know, I hope. I know she did it, and I can't hope. All I can do is hope she meets up with old Sparky. And you know what that means? That means that electronic chair. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, here we have the last meal of Eileen Warnos. It's a cup of black coffee. That's all she requested. That's all she wanted before she died. She was prepared for it. She didn't care. In her mind, the system had failed her and she was ready to go. As I take this sip of coffee, I will close out the show by saying thank you guys so much for joining me. And we'll see you next week. I love you. I appreciate you. And um, get some rest. It's important.